Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Health Nerd Podcast, where every week we bring you fascinating conversations with the movers, shakers, and innovators in food, health, agriculture, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Teresa Sam Houghton, Chief Nerd at the Modern Health Nerd, and welcome back for another episode of our February Fitness Month. Why are we doing a fitness month? Because we can fix our food, we can fix our diets, but if we're not moving, we're missing a critical part of the holistic care of our bodies. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Jeff Palmer. Jeff has been vegan for 35 years, and at the age of 58, he's a natural bodybuilding and natural physique master's champion. He's also the owner of Clean Machine Plant-Based Fitness Nutrition. And what I love about Clean Machine is that Jeff takes a really different approach to sports nutrition. You're not going to find any bro science in anything that he sells or does. He's also has an extremely scientific focus, a brilliant mind, and we had such a conversation. This could have gone on for hours and hours and hours. If I hadn't capped it, you literally would be listening to a three or four hour podcast episode. But for the sake of time, we put a cap on it for this one. This is our first conversation, but I know it won't be our last, and I hope that you enjoy it. Even if you're not into bodybuilding or fitness, this is something you really should listen to because it's got a lot of information about important issues in plant-based diets, including omega-3s and how we should approach our omega-3 intake and supplementation. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And now, Jeff Palmer. So Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to have you on my February fitness month. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you tell our listeners uh, who you are and what you're doing and really what got you interested in fitness? My name is Jeff Palmer. I'm the CEO and founder of Clean Machine. Uh, so I own a sports nutrition uh, company. Uh, and uh, I became vegan uh, about 35 years ago, um, 36 actually in March. Um, and uh, before that, I was a, a junior Olympic swimmer, high school and college. So I love physical fitness, um, but I really saw the connection. You know, I was uh, swimming. I was doing uh, up to 5000 calories a day, which is uh, eating constantly, basically, uh, because the, the sport uh, burns so much calories in the training. I do about two hours in the gym and about two hours in the pool. So it was uh, intense training and uh, exhausting. Um, but I learned, you know, we, we, we did a, a thing called uh, where you basically a uh, tapering. So you taper down your carbohydrates, basically starve yourself, deplete all your glycogen. And then before a meat, just really load up. And now you have all this swollen up glycogen. So using food as a tool to uh, initiate performance and the performance difference was amazing. <laughs> so, so that's you... when I found the first connection to yeah. to to nutrition and, and sports and and I said, well, wait a minute, now that I've made some changes in my diet for ethical reasons, how's that affecting my performance in, in sports and my overall health and fitness? And the more I got into it, I was a biopsych college in a biopsych major in college. So I was looking at how the total body physiology affected mood and behavior. And now it intrigued me more of how it actually, actually how diet and nutrition affected performance. 
So that's what led me on to a career of over 30 years in the natural products industry, um, working with Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, uh, many of the top brands in the marketplace, and um, developing a lot of uh, products for uh, other brands uh, and other companies and decided, hey, I want to do this right uh, because there's a lot of things that I'm seeing in the research out there that is not ever making it to the marketplace. And I think that uh, consumers don't get to take advantage of this because nobody's bringing them to the market based on the profitability principle. Yeah, I'm going to go back to something you said there. You've been vegan for 36 years. Now, I've been I've been plant-based slash vegan for a little over 11 years. And when I tell people that they, for some reason, they think that's impressive. And I'm thinking maybe it was hard for me to find vegan cheese 11 years ago. But what was it like to go vegan? What a lot of people now who are just getting into it would think it was like a really long time ago. But we have to remember that the vegan movement has roots that go far back. What was it like to be vegan? Then? Yeah, so uh, obviously 36 years ago, there was uh, no social media. <laughs> there was no internet or any practical persons yet. So uh, these things, these tools weren't, and there were really not that much in the way of books. I remember Diet for a New America first came out. Uh, John Robbins wrote the book. That was a huge breakthrough because I was like, "Wow, we got a real book that represents veganism, not something from the, you know, from the '60s or something like that, um, but real, based on real science and and stuff." So it was pretty amazing. But yeah, um, back then it was basically whole food plant based diet. There weren't the products that you see now. The the dogs, the burgers, the pizzas, the cheese, the butter, the everything else that uh, even eggs now, which we have analogs for. That is just incredible. You know, when I hear people complain about, oh, there's not much vegan food to eat. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> my choices, my choices back then were sawdust, rubber, or cardboard. That's basically what they tasted like anyway. And I I can imagine because I can remember the vegan cheese was pretty much like plastic. So I hear I hear you there. And I just I want to make the point that yeah, we have a lot of these analogs now, and that's super exciting for people who are looking to transition or maybe younger people who don't really have a handle on how to cook the whole food plant-based way. But you are clearly not the only person who is vegan back then. So this is possible. How did you make that transition without readily available meat, dairy, and egg analogs? You know, uh, I had to get a little bit of creative uh, for myself. Obviously, there wasn't the amount of restaurants that we see today or the amount of products in the in the grocery stores. Um, but like I would get a whole wheat pita and I pour a little pasta sauce on it and sprinkle a little nooch, uh, nutritional yeast, which kind of gives it a cheesy flavor. And there I had it. That was my pizza. So I, I improvised. Uh, you can get creative by just putting combinations together. But to be honest, I really enjoyed the food, you know, the the sprouts, the salads, the uh, the stir fries, the you know, and then you've got Mediterranean hummus, obviously salsa, chips and salsa. They're things that were just naturally vegan by default. That I learned of like, oh well, that just happens to be vegan. But you know, it's a it's a brain bean burrito. It's vegan, you know. <laughs> so uh, there were things that were a lot of things that I figured out were accidentally vegan. So how does your way of eating now differ from then? Have you made a lot of changes or is it really similar to the way you ate then? Well, it's like a kid in a candy shop, uh, you know, when the the new uh, analogs and stuff like that coming out, like, wow, I can have vegan ice cream I, that actually tastes like ice cream, not like 
I won't even describe it, but it didn't was not ice cream and it was not butter and it was not cheese. And these things were exciting to try as a long-term vegan that, that were just not even available. Like, you know, having a vegan marshmallow. I hadn't had a marshmallow in over 25 years <laughs> before they came out. So getting outside and roasting a marshmallow over open fire again that was vegan was just a, it's just an interesting experience. Putting something in your mouth that brings back those memories is, uh, you know, is an interesting experience. Now, that's not my mainstay. I, I was excited about them and I still try them. I have a vegan donut every once in a while or vegan pizza, but my mainstay is eating healthy because I, I love the way healthy food feels in my body. Going back to what you said about science and performance, with that interest that you already had, what did you see both in your own performance and in the science as you got more into the vegan food, the vegan diet, and then vegan fitness? Yeah, so most of the science was based on uh, omnivore, um, people eating a standard American diet, because that's what the mainstay of the population were. Remember, back when in, in the early 80s, when I became vegan, it was estimated that, that less than three-tenths of 1% of the U.S. population was vegan. Now it's in the two to three percent range, so we're talking many multiples amount. <laughs> um, the interesting statistic that I read recently that um, eighty percent of vegans who call themselves a vegan today have become vegan in the last two years. That's how big this bubble is, and how many people have joined it just in the last two years in the movement. So explosive growth, especially within the last five years, but. Back to the question of, of when I started changing my diet, I started feeling changes. What body, body fat percentage dropped pretty rapidly, um, but my mood changed. And then my uh, performance changed. It actually went down slightly in the beginning, my um, sports performance, but then it started building back up. And later as I understood the physiology and started getting into the deep science of it, uh, I learned there are mechanisms that control these things. And the body, my body was in a process of tearing down inferior uh, cells and tissues and replacing them with better building blocks, um, basically, um, to oversimplify. Obviously, it's a lot more complex than that on, on a cellular biology level, but it was basically tearing down old structures in my body and replacing and rebuilding them from scratch with better building materials. And I started performing a lot better. My strength went up, my stamina went up. At 50 years of age, I stepped on stage for the first time and won my first natural bodybuilding competition at 50. I'm 58 now and I've now a natural bodybuilding champion and a natural physique champion uh, and went on to win several more shows. So I've even, uh, I co-sponsored and, and, and co-created the very first 100% natural vegan bodybuilding championship in the world. I actually remember when that was going to happen because I happened to be connected uh, through a project I was doing with one of the sponsors of that show. So I thought that that was really interesting and that it didn't really catch my attention at the time just because I hadn't gotten too deeply into kind of the bodybuilding side of things. But when I found out that that was something you spearheaded, I was like, I remember this. And it really, it really sparked um, an interest to me that it was not only a vegan bodybuilding show, but a natural vegan bodybuilding show, which I wanted to ask you about. I had Robert Cheek on this podcast, who's also a vegan bodybuilder, and he's all about going natural. What drives you to 
avoid a lot of the things that other people in bodybuilding see as performance enhancers? And where do you stand on the use of more natural performance enhancers? Obviously, because you have some supplements that I'm definitely going to be asking you about later because they're really interesting. So our body does some things internally that if you take something from the outside that replaces that functionality, it can be disruptive to the body. In the case of taking steroids uh, or testosterone, it's called exogenous, exo meaning outside the body. So it's made outside the body and introduced into the body and it disrupts. It can actually suppress our own body's natural testosterone production. Uh, if you stay on testosterone for too long a period, certain types of testosterone, it can actually permanently suppress your testosterone levels to the point where you have to stay on the drug for the rest of your life. Um, the drugs also put the body out of balance. Um, I believe using nutrition and herbs and plants to help support the body's function so that it can function optimally instead of introducing a fixed amount from the outside and just guessing basically how much will, will, will be the optimal amount. I, I prefer to give the body the nutrition and the herbs that get the body to do its optimal performance. And that's why I developed uh, um, the very first product I did because in sports nutrition, obviously if you see most of the sports nutrition companies, they use athletes that use steroids. Uh, to try to sell their supplements. Now, it's a big lie that you can look like those steroid using athletes using the supplements. That's, that's not the case at all. Um, it's the big lie in the industry. Uh, the only way you can get that, that is super physiologically uh, adding muscle and, and things is through the use of drugs. It is impossible to achieve naturally because our body has built-in negative feedback loops that prevent our body from uh, putting on excess amounts of muscle. So the only way you can look like steroid using athletes is by drug use. It is impossible to look like that. Otherwise, now there are natural athletes that have tremendous physiques. Some are just naturally gifted. There's, there's genetics at play. Some people work their butts off. Some people really key into nutrition, but I think there are, there are limits that the body can do. And, um, and that's why I love natural bodybuilding. Uh, I named my company clean machine. Uh, to encourage people to keep this amazing machine that we're born into, the human body, uh, keep it clean uh, by using clean nutrition and clean supplementation and trying to be drug-free. I've been drug-free for over 35 years and um, I've reaped the benefits. So I really want to encourage other people, especially the young folks who don't know what they're doing, um, could really damage their folk damage their health and even result in death um, from some of the drugs that you're using in the in the traditional bodybuilding sport. So how are your supplements different from these other supplement companies? And thank you for saying all of that, by the way, because I think that we need more people to be standing up and saying exactly what you just said about the natural and the fact that those companies who use the steroid using athletes as their poster people are lying because we see this in our Instagram culture and we see it now even even more with we talked about the bubble a little bit before we, before we were recording we talked about the bubble there's a fitness bubble and we see all of that online and I think people do get the wrong impression they're like that's what I have to look like and you're saying you can work with your body and 
in the case of Clean Machine, you're offering people something to help them work with the processes that are already going on. So could you explain a little bit about your approach with Clean Machine, the kinds of supplements that you have and why you developed them? Yeah, so um, I, I'm very passionate about trying to pay it forward. Um, when when I had a change, I went from using drugs, alcohol, smoking cigarettes, eating meat, everything. And I had such a profound shift in my experience. I quit doing all of that in one day. Um, and that that created such a physical, mental, and emotional experience that changed me so true to the core. I said, how can I pay this forward? I was so thankful from coming out of suicidal depression and being a total mess and, and in a downward spiral to, to, to a short life. I was so thankful. I said, I want to try to pay this forward. And look, I don't hold judgments against anybody who chooses uh, a path of drugs. If that's, that's your choice, what you want to do with your body. What I'm saying is for those who you know, think that they can achieve that by buying the supplements. That's just, that's just not true. Um, so what I wanted, I worked at uh, 24 hour fitness and they did an interesting study where they found why are people stop working out? Right. And the number one reason they found was they don't get results fast enough. And I, and I feel that. And I said, well, but staying in the gym, you know, staying with your programs, your fitness programs is where you get the most health benefits out of it. If you stop, you're gonna become a sedentary lifestyle and that changes. It puts you higher risk for heart attack and stroke and diabetes and obesity and everything. Um, so I said, oh, how can I keep them on point is to help them get results quicker. So I look for the best that nature had to offer. Some of these plants out there that I was reading the research on, I got like, wow, this is phenomenal. These plants are exceptional in the plant kingdom. There's nothing like them in the plant world. Why aren't these in the marketplace? Um, so, you know, my wife said, well, we'll stop complaining about it and let's, let's do it. Let's be the ones that bring these plants to market so that other people can benefit from the power of nature, the power of these plants. The first plant I found, uh, obviously, since, you know, testosterone, especially for men in the industry about building muscle, testosterone is, is a, is a, does play a very important role in that. And the lower testosterone you have, the harder it is to actually build muscle and build strength. Um, so I said, yeah, but I don't want something that artificially influences testosterone levels because then that can lead to a real host of nasty side effects and, and potentially ill health. I wanted something that actually promoted health at the same time as promoted uh, sports nutrition benefits, fitness benefits, you know, more muscle, less body fat. So people could look good, feel good, but be healthier in the process, not exchange their health for fitness levels. You know, it didn't have to be one or the other. I wanted health and to bring health and fitness back together again, where I think they belong. I like that because I was a millionaire Hoy on this podcast. He made a really great point that a lot of people will approach fitness with the wrong intentions, the wrong mindset, and then they'll get what he called the wrong results. It sounds like you're working to combat that. So how do you feel that Clean Machine is helping to contribute to a better health landscape, particularly in the fitness realm? 
Traditional fitness companies have a basic model. I know I worked for many of them in the industry over 30 years of experience working for other brands and stuff. And the model was pretty simple. Use the cheapest ingredients possible so you make the most profit margin and then spend a lot of that profit margin you know, getting steroid using athletes and, and paying for them to be on front covers of magazines to convince people that they should buy their product. Um, I, I didn't believe in that. And, and I think that people end up getting a more and more inferior product because they have to get cheaper and cheaper ingredients so they can spend more and more money on the marketing. What I wanted to do is flip that conversation the other way around. And I put all the money into the actual ingredients so that consumers, when they're buying a product and paying basically the same price, are getting a much more valuable ingredient that had science behind it, that had published human studies behind it, showing it worked. These are much more expensive ingredients because when an ingredient supplier has to do all the research and, and do the human studies, they're very expensive and they have to build that cost into the cost of the ingredient. Um, so what a lot of the companies were doing was just saying, oh, that ingredient shows it like, you know, creatine shows it does builds muscle. Well, I'll just get the cheapest creatine from China, you know, at pennies on the dollar, and I'll put it out there and say our creatine does this. When that creatine didn't do it, it's a different form of creatine that actually was used in the study and is a lot more expensive. So I go out and find the actual materials that are used in the actual studies and pay two to three to four times as much for the material so that the people buying our products actually get the results that those studies show. And, and to me, that's giving more value to the customer, but it's also the best marketing tool on market. When you buy a product and it doesn't do anything for you, so you move on to the next product, right? You know, I, I talked to one uh, weight loss company whose whole model was, do you do this model of real cheap ingredients, lots of advertising, get a lot of people to buy the product, then it stopped and they realize it doesn't work. And then they'd use all those profits and start a new company and do the same thing and say, well, this one's even better. This one's even, you know, and it's the same materials. They just kept pumping out these brands every like six to nine months just to restate the lie and people go, well, that last one didn't work. This one should work, right? Whole different company, different product. That was their model of tricking the consumer into continually buying the products again. I think that's shameful. And look, there's a, it really turned a lot of the consumers against sports nutrition because they're like, it's a lie, they don't work. Well, right, because you're buying from companies who are playing that game. And I said, wait a minute, there are amazing plants out there that really do work, really are effective in improving people's health and nutrition and fitness levels. And but the marketers weren't out there doing that. So, you know, I said, it's, it's time to try to change this around and bring some legitimacy back to the sports nutrition market that has been unfortunately dominated by charlatans. And I wanted to bring some exceptional plants to market and I was fortunate to find some of them. And we've won 13 awards, national awards, including the top supplement award in the United States, the Nexty Award, twice, because we're recognized by our peers for doing the right thing, for really bringing truly novel, unique plant-based uh, ingredients to market that actually work. So how do you see what you do as going hand in hand with 
moving toward a plant-based diet because this is still new relatively in the fitness and the sports world. It's getting bigger as more people who are prominent adopt a plant-based diet. But if someone were to ask you, okay, I need to improve my sports performance and maybe they do want to look for sports nutrition and they're curious about plant-based diets, how would you describe how everything that you do goes together with that movement toward the diet for better performance? Here's a good example. So a plant-based diet has much more fiber in it. Fiber only comes from plants. Um, so fiber actually feeds our microbiome. So here's an interesting relationship. So uh, when you work out, you create what's called lactic acid. It's a waste byproduct from your muscle tissues. This lactic acid is that burn you feel when you're working out really strenuous. That's lactic acid actually building up in your muscle tissue that causes the burn. Well, that, that waste product needs to get out. But what our body can do is actually take that lactic acid and dump it right into our intestinal tract where bacteria will actually turn that through different phases and steps into butyrates along with fiber. So when you combine exercise and a plant-based diet, you're producing that fiber is getting eaten by the microbiome, the microbiota, your probiotics, and turned into uh, short-chain fatty acids called butyrates. Well, butyrates reduce the inflammation. They go into our bloodstream and reduce the inflammation. So here we are working out and our workout waste product is feeding the bacteria in our gut. And the gut bacteria says, thank you for feeding us. Here, we're gonna produce some stuff to reduce the inflammation you've created from your workout and reduce the inflammation. What a beautiful symbiotic relationship. We're feeding them, they're feeding us. That's amazing. But you've got to feed them what they eat. They eat fiber. Fiber only comes from plants. As a matter of fact, every time you eat an animal product, it creates bile environment. Bile environment is where bad bacteria, pathogenic bacteria thrive. So every time you're eating an animal product, you're creating a worse arena for your body to help you recover from your exercise. Every time you eat more plants, you're actually feeding and increasing the population of the good guys, your probiotics, that actually can help you recover from your workouts even better. This is how hand in hand a plant-based diet and exercise go to get you uh, superior fitness levels that you cannot achieve from an animal-based or an animal-dominant diet. When I was a health coach, my specialty was gut health. So I just nerded out a little bit while you were talking. I was like, ah, this is one I didn't know yet. So it, it explains a lot and it also points back to how everything is integrated in your body. And it sounds like that is the approach that you're taking both with your own health and with your business is that integration. Exactly. Because you look at most of the proteins on the market are basically stripped out protein. So I wanted to do something completely radically different, which is use the whole plant instead of isolated protein. So mostly what you see, even in the plant-based market, all the plant-based proteins, almost all of them use like pea and rice protein, but they're about 80% protein. Um, so what that means is they've stripped out all the fiber, all the micronutrients, all the essential fatty acids. They've stripped out so that you left with about 80% nothing but, but protein. Well, protein isn't the only thing we need to, to make our body function. And remember, when, when um, you're, 
in consuming that fiber, that is what's helping the whole process of recovery. So you're only adding one piece, the protein, by consuming an isolated protein. So I found this plant and I was the very first to bring it to market. It's called duckweed. Duckweed is higher in essential amino acids, higher in branch chain amino acids than any other plant used in the plant protein category. It's actually higher in whole nutrition than any plant out there, higher than kale, spinach, spirulina, even moringa, which was recently considered the top superfood on the planet. This is actually higher in nutrient density than moringa. So now you've got all the fiber, all the chlorophyll, all the polyphenols, all of it intact. We use the root, the stem, the leaf, the flower, the whole plant. It's a water plant that even contains naturally occurring bioactive B12. This is not an algae. This is a true flowering freshwater plant. And it is extraordinary. I was the very first person to bring this plant to market. We're the very first 60% whole food plant-based protein in the marketplace, radically shifting the way protein can be consumed and the results and the difference that you get when you're getting 35% of your omega-3s in a single scoop, you're getting a third of all your fiber for the day in a single scoop, plus you're getting all the protein and micronutrients. Vitamin K, you're even getting 1,100% of your vitamin K needs for the day to build healthy, strong bones. This is the proper way to, to actually do sports nutrition, but no people out there are going to do it because it's green. It's still in its natural state. And they wanted something that tastes like a chocolate candy bar, a chocolate milkshake, right? Well, ours is actually tastes like real food because it is real whole food. <laughs> I had Tony Martins from Plantable Foods on this podcast. He's doing duckweed protein. I don't know if you've talked to him before. You two should have a conversation. He's super excited about like the sustainability of duckweed and the and the fact that it, it can just propagate the way that it does. So when you when I found out that you guys were working with duckweed, I was like, this is it. You know, this is going to be everyone's pointing to what's going to be the next big protein and you've already found the next big protein. And then we have people like Tony Martins and a couple other people who are working with it. That is so fantastic. With all of these changes that have been happening and with the way that you've been contributing to sports nutrition, and it sounds like to helping people with the plant-based diets to adopt healthy sports nutrition, what do you feel we really need to be focusing on next for health and fitness as a whole? Right, so in the United States, the number three most used supplement is fish oil and omega-3 nutrition is been i feel terribly misunderstood uh i did uh an amazing new uh presentation you could check it out on uh clean machine online on youtube uh an amazing breakthrough it's about five or six different studies pieced together that show actually the plant-based approach to omega-3 is superior to fish oil or algae oil and so I go into it. I won't go into it because it's, it's, I could do a whole show just on that. Um, but I'm really encouraging people. I uh, have several doctors, um, plant-based doctors, very interested in carrying this information forward. Uh, Dr. Clapper is already talking about uh, some of that uh, information. Uh, Dr. Milton Mills is, is reviewing it right now. So Dr. Frank Sabatino is, uh, is looking at it and actually now promoting uh, the Ahi flower. 
I found this plant uh, called ahi flower. It is the richest source of omega-3 and omega-6 of any plant in the world, higher in ALA and SDA than any plant in the world. Um, the most in ALA, SDA, and GLA, which are naturally uh, anti-inflammatory than any plant. Just an extraordinary plant. And I was the first to bring that to market and also won the next award for the best supplement out of all supplements, over 3,000 supplements introduced into that. And to be number one twice in that category is amazing. But, you know, it's not me. I just feel, you know, I have a passion to try to identify these plants through the research and bring them to market where other companies won't touch it. I, I went to, here's an example. I went to one of the top retailers, I won't name them, but one of the top retailers of supplements in, in the United States. And I said, uh, this, this amazing research shows that it's 400% more effective, published human research, 400% more effective than flax, the number one selling plant-based omega-3 in the world. And he goes, well, that's a problem. And I said, what do you mean? Don't you want the best, something that's clinically proven four times better than what you've got on the shelf? He goes, that is the problem, is if I put your product on the shelf, those other products won't sell because yours is that much better. So I'd rather sell all those products. And I'm like, wow, really? You're not going to put a better product that is clinically proven four times better on your shelf because of the money. And, and that's a sad state. So that's why I really love you inviting me on the show so I can communicate directly to consumers and get this information out there because those big companies that are only focused on profits don't want this information out there. The fish oil industry is a $3 billion industry. They will hate this information that I am putting out right now, but it's, it's published human research and showing very clearly that EPA and DHA are in their final forms. They're in static states. DHA cannot convert to any of the other five omega-3s. So you not only could be doing, uh, not getting what your body needs, but actually it can cause a series of, of processes in the body, just like steroids. If you put something that's made outside your body, into your body, it shuts down the processes. Well, research has shown the same thing happening when you take preformed DHA, like in fish oil or in algae oil, and put it into our body, our body shuts down the enzymes that actually do the conversion of the much more prevalent ALA that we're consuming from plants. This can cause EPA to pile up into toxic levels and actually possibly do damage. Even to point out the study that showed when people took high amounts of DHA, EPA uh, piled up so much, it was detrimental to their brains. It actually caused them to perform worse in cognitive tests. So people are taking DHA to try to improve their brains may actually be doing just the opposite. Instead of giving your body the plant precursors it needs, the plant precursors, our body has developed a whole enzymatic process, the process, allowing it to convert what it needs, where it needs it, when it needs it, at the right tissues it needs it at. Let your body do its wisdom. Don't just stick something in your body like a steroid at an X amount, and now your body just goes whacked out of balance. How many times have you heard a drug commercial come on the television and they spend half of the commercial telling you about the side effects that it causes because they're introducing an exogenous source 
a chemical and sending the whole body out of balance. Let the body do its thing. This is so silly. I'm definitely going to have to have you back to have a science conversation because I was thinking along the lines of something that would be a completely separate conversation. People are already eating so much like on the standard American diet. They're eating so much omega-6 that there's the competition for the enzyme. Wow. The implications of that are amazing so we will definitely have to have another conversation just about this kind of science so that we can spend a whole episode going crazy about it because we we could go for hours i swear <laughs> that's awesome but yes exactly that exact process that you took about and like everybody or it's getting more commonly known that uh the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is really out of balance because of what we're doing in our diet well, we're doing exactly the same thing by taking these preformed DHA and EPA sins. We're putting the body out of balance when we do that instead of letting the body do its own. So the, the big study in this was the unidirectional flow. It showed that the body unidirectionally flows from ALA at the top down to SDA, then ETA, then EPA, then DPA, then DHA. And it goes only in one direction. There is no retro conversion from DHA back to the other ones. So, you know, the, the old research said, oh, wait a minute, when we put ALA in the body, we didn't see any conversion down to DHA. Of course not. Why would the body convert something in its perfect precursor state all the way down to its last and final state and then not have no DA, EPA or DHA or, or um, uh, rather, uh, or ALA or SDA or ETA? So then I was like, okay, but are ALA, SDA, ETA important? And then this study came out that showed, okay, those with the highest amounts of ALA, SCA, and ETA, which are three per precursors, you cannot get from consuming EPA and DHA if, like fish or algae. It's impossible. The body cannot back convert them to that. What happens when you have a lot of those three precursors only from plants? Higher fluid intelligence. That's right, a higher IQ, a higher ability to process brain function. And not only that, phys more physical gray matter volume. It protected our brains. Our brains age, they shrink over time, not in those with the highest amounts of plant-based ALA, SDA, and ETA. This is telling us exactly what we should be putting in our body. Our brain needs this for optimal health and we're not getting any of it by consuming EPA and DHA, which are downstream from it and can't back convert. I mean, the science is just really rock solid that our system is biologically and genetically programmed to consume plants, not animals. The animals make that EPA themselves and we are an animal and we can make that EPA and DHA ourselves from the precursors found in plants, just like the rest of the animals do. Hey, look, there's DHA and EPA in milk. What's a cow eat? grass. Does it get DHA and EPA? Of course it does. It down converts just like humans do when we eat plants. I mean, come on, man. Why, why, why was there this big assumption? So it's based on bad information or bad interpretation of the data. We now know that the ALA was not converting in the bloodstream because the body is in its own wisdom would never down convert that ALA. That would be stupid. It's like, turning your dollar bills into pennies. All right, if you need something like a gumball for the penny to go in, yeah, do that a little bit though. 
you don't want to turn a hundred dollars into 10,000 pennies, right? And then go up to a, a store and try to cash those in. No, you wouldn't do that. You leave them as dollar bills until you need them as coins. You know, and the body is doing the same thing. And the ALA, they found that vegans actually had higher DHA levels than those consuming fish or, or fruit because obviously we're eating lots of plants and greens and nuts and seeds that are loaded with uh, omega-3. So, whew, sorry. No, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I love it. So it boils down to at least one simple point there is eating plants can make you smarter, which should really send a few people, th at least a few people thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, especially in the younger generations now. I think I've got a little bit of a sense of how you might answer this question. This is my big question that I ask everybody at the end because you've, you've touched on a lot of points that could go along with this. If you had unlimited power and resources, so sky's the limit, no barriers, and you could bring about one change in the way we approach health and fitness, what would you do? Obviously, it would be to, to really um, create education, uh, starting with the children, uh, of, of how really uh, plant foods and our diet affects not only our own health, but affects the animals and affects our environment. Uh, uh, animal agriculture is the number one reason for zoonotic viruses. If you don't understand what a zoonotic virus is, it's a virus that comes from animals and shifts into humans, like COVID, like SARS, like MERS, like AIDS. These are all viruses that started out in animals and because of our animal consumption, we contracted them. Uh, you've got the environmental impact. The consumption of animal uh, foods is the number one uh, cause of pollution, number one cause of climate change in, in our society. They create more greenhouse gases than all the trucks, boats, and planes put together. Um, the, the impact on our health, um, clear, once you understand the physiology, you see our gut health, our, our microbiome is set up to digest plants. Look, there's nothing else in there. Our microbiome feeds on polyphenols, uh, we know now uh, fiber and oligosaccharides all come from either plants or mother's milk. This is what we need. This is what we should be putting in our bodies. Everything else is killing us. And, and you look at heart attack, stroke, diabetes, the, and cancer, the top killers, and they're all directly related now that we have the research directly related to your diet. But even your overall health, your body fat to muscle ratio, your performance in, in anything you do, even your mental performance, you can actually have more brain at the end of your life and, and less risk for, for all the major diseases. So it's about suffering. And then, you know, obviously the fish oils dear to my heart, we're killing over a trillion fish every year uh, in the United States alone for food and fish oil. This is a horrific thing because we breathe air and we breathe a little bit of moisture, right? We breathe some water in, in, in the moisture that's in the air and we need a little bit of water and a lot of oxygen. Uh, fish are just the opposite. They need a lot of water and a little bit of oxygen. So what happens when you put a lot of water into our breathing? Yeah, it's called waterboarding. It's torture. It's an extreme pain. It causes our lungs to turn on fire. The same thing happens when you pull a fish out of the water. It now has got way too much oxygen trending through its gills and its gills are inflamed with pain. This is, an, this is like waterboarding a trillion animals every year. This is horrific. 
There's absolutely no nutritional need for this. And there, it, we've wiped out over 50% of the population of all life in the ocean already. And they're saying now by, by the year uh, 2048, we could cause a great mass extinction of life in the ocean. We're talking catastrophic here. This is, this is a horrendous thing that people don't understand the relationship between what their food choices are and how they're affecting not only their own health, but the health of the planet, the animals, and everything else in between. Reminds me of uh, Jonathan Balcombe's book, What a Fish Sees, I believe it's called. I can't remember if it's What a Fish Sees or What a Fish Thinks. Now I'm going to have to look it up. But he wrote a lot about what you were talking about, the things that people don't know about what fish experience and really what animals experience in especially these factory farm uh, setups. And a lot of people don't know about the factory fishing either, which could be another whole episode, which I should probably do one. <laughs> I should probably do one there. So, Jeff, where can people find out more about the science you've been talking about, what you're doing with Clean Machine, and all of the things you do on social media? Yeah, so you can follow us on social media, uh, Clean Machine Fit, both on IG and uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube at Clean Machine Online. And our website is cleanmachineonline.com. We post a lot of the research, a lot of the nutritional information right on there. Try to make it very simple for people. Um, and then of course you can follow me. I'm I, almost every day posting some new research, uh, breakthrough research as it pertains to health and fitness. So I'm posting that on mine. I'm G-E-O-F-F, -F, so I'm Jeff with a G, the British spelling of Jeff, uh, Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R. Um, and you can follow me on Facebook on my personal page, which is where I do most of my um, research postings. I also do a Facebook Live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I've got great guests on. I've got uh, some great vegan nutritionists and dietitians, uh, a vegan doctor who's actually an athlete as well coming on board. Um, so I've got some great guests coming up. Um, uh, and of course, I do shows on this uh, uh, emerging research and really kind of break it down and explain it. And I always offer the links so that uh, people can read the research themselves. Which I highly appreciate. There's a reason I am the modern health nerd. So I highly appreciate when people do share the research. I will put all of that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're curious, go and check out what Jeff's doing. Thank you again, Jeff, for being on the podcast. And there is absolutely no doubt that I would love to have you back sometime. It's going to be, it's going to have to be multiple times if we want to dig into the science. So thank you for taking the time. It's been great. Pleasure. And I'd love to come back. I'm very passionate about it. And thank you for all you're doing for the community and getting some amazing uh, guests on there talking about some, some great stuff and getting that information out there. Well, I always have fun with it. I always love having these conversations. <laughs> Thanks again to Jeff for being on the Modern Health Nerd podcast. And as I said, this is not going to be the last time that Jeff joins me on this podcast. We still have a lot more to talk about. He's done so much looking into the research and he's doing more all the time. And I really appreciate that as someone who is on a continuing and evolving health and fitness journey. Because after all, if we're focusing so much on adopting plant-based diets, if we're focusing so much on the health benefits of plant-based diets, it doesn't make any sense that our sports nutrition would be based in cheap chemicals that are just going to hurt us in the long run. So kudos to Jeff for digging into the science and making Clean Machine a science-based company and also focusing on 
natural bodybuilding and kicking those steroids to the curb. Thanks again for listening to another Fitness Month episode here on the Modern Health Nerd Podcast, and stay tuned this week for a special bonus episode to cap off Fitness Month. Yes, on Friday, we're going to have another episode for five for Fitness Month in February because we've been talking a lot about fitness, but we haven't talked a lot about recovery and keeping yourself in top shape so that you can continue to do a great fitness regimen for a very long time. So on Friday, that's what we're going to touch on. So I hope you don't miss that episode. Again, if you like it, share it with your friends, give us a rating, give us a review, and stay nerdy. 